welcome back to Thrive. Today we're talking about unique and alternative partnership models. And my guest and creative agency owner is Patrick Smith, founder and creative director of C2 Creative Studio in Chicago. Um, Patrick, it's really great for you to be here. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to dive into this conversation today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kelly. It's great to be here. So you actually wrote in to me a little while ago, uh, probably going back a couple of months, right? Mm -hmm. And we had a chance to talk a little bit about your creative agency and what I would imagine that most agency owners grapple with um, on a, a pretty consistent basis. You know, do I enter into a partnership? Do I acquire another company? What's my um, what's my growth model? How does that all work? What is the you know sort of the impact of joining different cultures if I did partner or merge with another company. So all this stuff kind of comes up. And I think sure. your story is really, really unique. And, and I just, uh, I thought it would be kind of a great story to impart on other agency owners who are listening and watching. So do you want sure. to kind of just give us a little bit of foundation and talk about C2 Creative Consulting and, and just a little bit of backstory on that? Sure. Yeah. My The background for me professionally is I started probably the first 15, 13 years or so of my career on the traditional marketing agency side. So, you know, bigger agencies in Chicago or in the Midwest. And, you know, if you think of a classic, you know, brand marketing team where there'd be copywriters and designers and developers and account people and strategists, planners and on and on and on. That was kind of the, the environment. And it was and it was great. At one point, I just said, you know, I wanted to do my own thing. And so in 2000, without knowing really what I was getting into. <laughs> oh, oh you're anyway. just like all the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I thought this would be really fun to do for myself. But, but in reality, I, I think, you know, at some, some agencies uh, or just a place in life, you get to a point where you want to do it on your own. And so that's, I was kind of hitting that, that spot. And uh, in a, around 2009, I had a, a business partner and a creative partner. Um, and we decided to start our, our own little shop and he was a writer and I was a designer and we had this kind of a, you know, 50, 50 arrangement. It was very organic. Uh, there wasn't a lot of, you know, grand planning around it, but that's, you know, kind of just went out and started, uh, picking up some clients, picking up projects and that started to get a little bit of momentum. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we definitely wanted to be a, uh, the vision was to be a boutique agency at that time. Uh, because it was just the two of us and we didn't know what we were doing necessarily. <laughs> and, you know, we leveraged this idea of small teams, big ideas. And the thought there was, um, you know, we were senior level talent without all the, you know, so the big ideas um, uh, kind of coming from that. And the small teams was, it was really just the two of us. And we'd pull in freelancers when we needed them or, or other kind of development partners or things along those lines. Hmm. So that was that was kind of the, the the big thought. And, you know, what we specialized in, or said still do is basically creative strategy, things like brand audits, positioning, customer journeys, brand narratives, uh, brand design, like naming, identity, you know, message platforms, core brand materials, mm -hmm. and then campaign development, which would be you know brand brand ads, brand campaigns, websites, uh, video, trade show experience, social things along those lines. So that's that's in a nutshell what we do and then how we started, and then. Um, after a couple of years, he actually, my, my business partner and, and creative partner at the time, had some life changes, and he ended up leaving and, and moving out of state and got married and all that kind of stuff. So uh, life took over for him, and we, over the f course of the first two or three years, you know, we started to build up some other partnerships along the way, and I didn't want to work by myself, and I still had this dream of you know, growing this into you know, a 15 or so person, person shop. 
The idea there was to have a couple of different um, uh, groups that could service clients. So we didn't have just like one team working on the same thing all the time. We had some different perspectives. So my goal has always been to get to somewhere between this, you know, 13 to 19, 20, you know, person group, just so we have different perspectives and and are able to service clients with different, you know, groups and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, so along the way, somewhere probably three or four years in, um, we started a partner, or I started a partner, um, and I'm using that term very loosely, we started to work with some other groups. So we were the creative side of things, and there was a uh, development team that we started to work with, and we still work with today. Um, and in the beginning of that, we started to uh, just really kind of strategically align. And what I mean by that is, we would start to pitch together. Um, we would start to uh, kind of integrate some of our, our systems and our operations a little bit, meaning things like Dropbox and Slack and, and things like that. And then uh, move forward to another year or two, and there was a third uh, a group that we started to integrate. And um, we were starting to lay the foundation to have a, kind of a merger, if you will, at some point. Um, we had uh, three different organizations. We each had I don't know, four or five employees each. And we, I was getting really close to this, you know, this kind of uh, uh, vision that I had when I originally set this out or, right. or, or set out for this. And um, and we started, we had the MSAs signed, signed. We, we were we were about to do business evaluations and things along those lines, brought in the consultants, brought in the accountants, brought in the lawyers, brought in all that kind of stuff. And we did do it for about two or three, two and a half years or so. Ultimately, it didn't it didn't play out, but that was a, a really good learning of some of the things that that I didn't uh, want to continue doing, um, but I still continue to work with that development group, uh, and we're we're pretty as about as fully integrated as you can get, but remaining two separate separate companies, but we're we're truly partners in that in that sense. Right. So that's kind of the the cliff notes, if you will, of the last nine years. Right. So just to go back to something, a couple things that you said there. Um, so the merger actually did take place, and you 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 know, basically um, went through with that and worked on in that capacity for uh, two, two and a half years. And then did that disband? Did you break that yeah. off and then continue working together? We didn't go to the full merger. We, we all okay. moved, if you think of it, uh, like any kind of relationship, you know, we moved in together. So we got the same office. Um, uh, we, di- we just didn't get married. So we, we had we had the um, an, we had an umbrella company basically mm-hmm. that served as kind of our marketing face or customer side face. But at the time, we were still three independently uh, independent groups, which was interesting uh, and created some interesting dynamics uh, <laughs> along the way. Yeah. yeah. And, and the plan was ultimately to to um, to, to do a merger. Um, but we just never got to that point. So I think we learned a lot as we were going through this kind of uh, engagement phase, phase, if you will, uh, to use that metaphor a little bit more. Um, it just it wasn't going to work. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So you guys all kind of gave each other rings and then just kept the, pushing the, the marriage date off. More and yeah. More and more, realizing mm, we could still live together, but it's it's not going to actually happen. Yeah, I like your version of it, so we'll we'll stick with we'll stick with that. <laughs> um, and just you know, for again, some of the agency owners who are listening or watching, and maybe thinking about that because maybe they have a strategic partner similar to the one that you're describing, or multiple ones like the ones you're describing, mm-hmm. and they have that idea in their head that maybe down the road, maybe a merger or an acquisition or something um, might occur. What are some of the things that you would say you learned? Like, what are some of the takeaways or some of the things that you would say, you know, if I was giving advice to someone else who had this path in mind, like, what are the things to look out for? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I've got a couple of different like, like visions in my head of the different types of partnerships that I've encountered. This might just be a, you know kind of a broad stroke, but there's kind of that 50-50 uh, setup that happens organically that you might have in the beginning when you have an idea with somebody, just like I had with my my first partner. Um, uh, and and what I the takeaway from that was we were friends, we were we were former coworkers, and, and continue to work together. And so we never did anything formal um, or, or in a deep way. And I think that the lesson that I got out of that was we never really, uh, we tried to expand on or build off of our, our previous working relationship where we were in, within a larger organization that had rules and management and suddenly we didn't have that. And so I think having some kind of framework for how you're gonna work together um, when, you're, when you're on your own would be, would be tremendously helpful. We just didn't, we, we were very naive when we were doing this. Right. So, that's one. Then, then there's this kind of this next <laughs> kind of group of uh, partnerships that some usually don't happen, but but they they can't happen. It and it's the I have a great title for it, but it's the person who comes along, sees that you've got your own business, and says, "Hey, why don't you give me 20% of your business or 30% of your business, and uh, I'll come work for you. I'll be your salesperson." And you know that that kind of person um, usually uh, likes what you're what you have going on. They might be miserable in their job. And they're just looking for a way out, and they want they want you to give up something that you've been working <laughs> very hard on, and putting a lot of equity into sweat equity and, and otherwise, and they just want you to to sign over a big piece piece of their <laughs> of the business to them, right. uh, with, without any like anything uh, being proven yet in terms of what they can what they can bring. Right. And um, those I've seen a couple people go through that, and it's it's it usually doesn't end well. Um, usually doesn't it starts really well for about a month, and then it kind of uh, falls apart. Um, just because everybody's got a very different set of expectations around uh, what this person's going to bring up, bring to the company, even if they spell it out, it just it, it's very rarely works. So that's kind of a, a, a landmine that I think most people should you know avoid, and most do. Right. Um, just to just to add for, to that for one second, yeah. um, there for all of the agencies that I've worked with and, and spoken with, um, you know, over the years, I haven't seen a lot of external salespeople. Um, you know, hired mm-hmm. either part-time or full-time really work out. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's just because there's so many moving parts to understanding what an agency does, the value that they bring, um, yeah. you know, how to really get new clients on board. I think uh, that you just have to know so much and it's really hard for salespeople, especially if they have like a pretty aggressive sales style, it's hard for them to kind of know everything and, and really cater to the nuances of developing new business. Um, yeah. And so what you're talking about is kind of like forgetting, forget even the first date. You're saying like, let's get married right away yeah. and give me a, a stake in this company that you've worked for 10, 15, 20 years to build. Yeah. I could never see that working. That seems like a huge red flag to me. Yeah. Well, you'd be surprised at how many people actually approach us with that kind of offer. Yeah, that's crazy. Offer. Yeah. Um, and you know, kind of the next one is is probably probably pretty common. Um, kind of the white label, where you know you're you're supply or you use you're using a vendor, uh, kind of as your own capability. Yep. And we've been in the very beginning, we worked with a lot of business consultants that didn't have a creative capability necessarily, and we were white labels for them. And um, the takeaway from from that was, uh, over, it was great for the first year or two. I think we learned a lot, and I think we also learned that wow, we're really spending a lot of time building other companies up and we're not building up our own. And, um, uh, and, and it also, the other piece to this is uh, we weren't doing best work for our clients or for their clients. 
because there was always this in between, this go between that just yeah. didn't seem to uh, click. Yeah. So, some some white label arrangements are work better than others, and some can you know you could be successful for a short period of time, and on occasion we'll you know we've got some people that we've worked with in the past that will do this very selectively every once in a while, but yeah. I think it's it's gone from you know a, a significant part of our business down to almost zero. Um, and then the, the, the last one is really that one I was t mentioning before with the three companies kind of almost merging is that strategic partnership or co-op. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think I think what what even though we were only, you know, 15 people or so or you know 14 people, um, it was amazing how much culture uh, influenced how uh, everything kind of, you know, kind of eroded. Um, you'd think it would be something that would be really easy to kind of pull people together, but it was really complicated. And, um, you know, quick story was, you know, even something as simple as um, one of my employees talking to somebody else's employees uh, in the heat of a moment may have said something that sounded uh, like accusatory right. when the person receiving it um, wasn't used to having those kinds of conversations in the course of the day. And all of a sudden, something that would seem relatively benign in, in, in most environments becomes a huge issue. Yeah. And so I think, I think the, the, the one thing that I, looking back, that we didn't do a good enough job on was um, we spent enough time like kind of on the social side of things, getting everybody in the same room and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, going to lunches together and things along those lines. The fun stuff. But I don't think we have, the fun stuff, yeah, but I don't think we ever really, um, uh, we, you know, none of us were big enough to have like an HR department. So right. there was... There was that piece was missing, and I don't think we were able to see forward enough to say, "Hey, here's some potential issues that might come up, you know, between teams and between uh, different personalities, and how do we just get everybody on the same page of how to work together?" If you know, there are those we're in advertising, right, and marketing. Right. There's going to be deadlines. There's going to be a lot of pressure. There's going to be angry clients, and sometimes that spills over onto what we're doing uh, for for better or for worse, and. Um, you know, it can it can it can become a a, a, a testy environment at times. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so so we just we did looking back. If, if I was going to do that again, that would be in, like probably one of the, the the first things I'd want to address versus something that we thought would just take care of itself. And just those types of things don't don't take care of themselves. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a great point. And especially, I mean, you guys had been working together for a pretty significant amount of time up until that point. Yeah. So you know, then you think about well, there are strategic partners or potential co-op type of relationships that haven't really been working together for a decent mm -hmm. amount of time. And if yeah. you were struggling with that, could you imagine what that would be like from a culture clash standpoint? Yeah. You know, if, if you didn't have that, you know, backstory and, and just that longevity of working together. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, and it is something, I think you're totally right. I think it's something that people don't, they just kind of think, oh, well, we're all in marketing, we're all in advertising, we're all in branding or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we all are of quote unquote the same mindset right. and it'll just work out where people uh, will we'll just, you know, get on the same page. But mm -hmm. I think if more agencies that were moving into a partnership arrangement of any kind spent more time on the people aspect, um, yeah. I'm a big fan of saying, you know, your people are your product. Um, clients mm -hmm. come to you for your, for your, 
basically your team's ability to solve their problems. So why not yeah. invest more in the people and make sure that, you know, the vernacular is the same, that your goals and values and all of those core things are really, mm -hmm. um, you know, aligned across the board because otherwise it can fall apart. So I, yeah. I think that's probably uh, one of the most important takeaways from this conversation for me. Yeah, it really, it really is. It's, it's, it's not the what so much, not what are you making. It's really the, the who, who are you working with and how do you work with them. It, it truly, truly is. I, I, you hear that uh, in, a, in a meeting or on, you know, in a movie or whatever, reading a book, and you, you, you kind of think you understand it. But until you really live it and go through it the way um, you know, companies do, it just takes on a different meaning. So that, that's a, that was a, a big one for me. Yeah, for sure. And I also just wanted to touch back on something that you mentioned about white labeling. Um, I'm also seeing that as a trend uh, in terms of some type of uh, strategic partnership. I'm seeing that as a trend in terms of the commoditized services, maybe just like a straight up website build, um, yep. something that can more feasibly be in the background. Those oh. are the types of white label relationships that I see working pretty well, especially mm -hmm. if like the, if again, if it's a web development team, I'm just using that as an example. Sure. If they don't really, they're just looking to produce the work and get it out the door. They're not really looking to build up their brand. Um, mm -hmm. That works really well, but almost anything outside of that, yeah. it really is a little detrimental, um, you know, to the, the growth of the agency. So I am definitely seeing that more and more, you know, the, the agencies themselves, who are a little bit more strategic thinking or are bringing in those creative services, you have to have access to the client. You have to be sort of who you are and not, I think the, mm -hmm. the clients also realize that, you know, there is no such thing as a full service agency. So mm -hmm. you're going to bring in, to, in partners. And yeah. I think if you're more transparent with those relationships, the client appreciates that as well. How you bill yeah. or how you invoice, I mean, I think that's an easy part, but it's again, mm -hmm. going back to the people who am I going to be working with and where are sure. they from? Um, so, yeah. Um, and just to touch on the, you know, the way that you had the arrangement, um, some people might be wondering if you were sort of this umbrella company, but you had three separate entities, how did you work things like invoicing? Did, you, did the client get three different invoices or one or how did that work? Yeah, we had, we had a great uh, finance person and a bookkeeper. And basically the way it would work, they got a, an invoice from the master in the umbrella company. Okay. And if I have to do the the financial gymnastics on my head, and I, I went to school for art, not finance, so yeah, but it would be, but basically what would happen is um, we would send an invoice, we would get paid, and that would go into the umbrella company's account. Okay. And then we would we would all individually invoice the umbrella company, oh, and the okay. umbrella company would would pay us. Oh. So that's how it worked. It was it was a two step process, a little bit more uh, paperwork on our end, but mm -hmm. at the time we were like, this is just what we need to get through to get to the next point. So that's how it worked. That seems like a really great solution, though. Um, yeah. One that most people might not have thought of because it keeps it clean and it also keeps it uh, really convenient for the end client. So, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the going back to your point about the white label and, and even this arrangement, um, you know, some clients don't want to. I've seen it both ways. I, to your point, I, I think a lot of agencies are moving towards this um, and, and some clients really want to have this a level of accountability um, that they're just dealing with one group and, and they're not dealing with multiple moving parts. And then there's other groups that I think it just depends on the client that um, really don't have as much, they don't put that as much stock into that. So right. uh, it can go both ways, but I, I think the accountability part for, for some clients is a, is a big deal. And it helped us with that umbrella company only having one, um, one company, uh, one name, if you will, because what was happening, the reason we actually did this mm -hmm. it's for a little bit more backstory 
is we were pitching together, and what was happening is we, we would do really well on the pitch, and then they'd ask us for our business cards, <laughs> and then get three different, oh, yeah, and then it, it just created all these questions yeah. about who's doing what, and right. who do I call, and it just, and, and we, we just at that point, I think we realized, like, we need to, we need to elevate um, uh, this to another point, and, and we have this umbrella, and because if we're going to move up the food chain, if you will, in terms of the client opportunities, um, kind of this, this co-op, if you will, just wasn't, wasn't working for, in the, in the, in the eyes of our clients, right. it created a lot of questions for certain right. groups. Right. Yeah. I mean, but you know, on the flip side of that, just to kind of play devil's advocate for a second, if you had presented it, like we are, you know, as C2, we are specialists in this, and this is mm -hmm. our partner that we're bringing in specifically to serve yeah. this portion of the project or the, the retainer. <laughs> and then here's our other partner. If that was sort of, um, part of the conversation at the yeah. very beginning, maybe by the time you got to handing out business cards, there yeah. would have been an expectation set. You know, I just want yeah. to play both sides of sure. that because I think it could work either way. You, you, you know, you're definitely right. And we, we would do that. Uh, we'd have those initial conversations, but you know, in the actual meeting, uh, once it got beyond maybe our initial point of contact and two or three more people were involved or four or five more right. people were involved, it started to unwind a little bit. So yeah. for some, for some clients, it wasn't a problem. But I think for other clients that are usually a little bit larger, if you're working with a, a healthcare company or something along those lines where their process is everything. Yeah. And, if, and if they think that, um, you know, somebody's going to disappear because they've had they've been burned before in the past yeah. by some of those arrangements. So uh, they just they're, they're trying to avoid those kinds of, you know, I don't want to call them mistakes, but those kind of scenarios again. So. Right, right. Well, like I said, I, I thought that this was going to be a really interesting conversation and you definitely didn't disappoint. Um, lots of really great takeaways for uh, agency leaders that are thinking about partnering in some way, shape or form. And I'm sure I'm going to get a, a ton of feedback on, on this particular episode. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kelly. This episode has been brought to you by Workamajig, the number one creative agency management software show notes at thrive.workamajig.com. Find out how your creative agency can become more productive and more profitable. Schedule your demo at thrive.workamajig.com.